Good morning. How are we this morning? Good. Great. Feeling good. It's a great morning. Excited to be here. As Pete said, my name is Louie. <laughs> Gooey. I love that. He couldn't say it. Oh, so cute. And I'm one of the team leaders here at Elevate, so it's excellent to have you with us. Um, I am really, really excited about this series that we are exploring because I feel as though God is doing an incredible work, not only in our private personal lives, but corporately across our church, that he's igniting something in us that we can run with, that we can pursue, and that we can actually allow him to be greater because of what his word actually communicates. So this morning, as we take, you know, the next 20 minutes or so, and we're going to unpack some stuff. My prayer is that we engage our hearts, because we have been already this morning. I think God's already done some cool stuff, and he's just layering on another thing. So as we sit, as we hear about what he's going to share with us this morning, I pray that our hearts engage. Incline our ear to his voice, watch out for what he's doing, and don't miss the opportunity to allow another layer of what God is doing in our hearts to actually permeate in this house, okay? So on Friday night, just gone, I was watching, I was getting geeked out, I was watching with Mark, it's called the Worldwide Developers Conference in San Francisco, and it's hosted by Apple, the organisation. And um, I tell you what, it's awesome. The CEO who's taken over from Steve Jobs is a guy called Tim Cook. Let me see if I've got his name. No, sorry, Tom Cook. And um, the first 10 minutes, I'm sitting there and I'm watching this, and what struck me in those first 10 minutes is this. This is an organisation that believes they are changing the world. This is an organisation who stands up unapologetically and says, we are creating the future. This is an organisation who is uber cool with packaging, presenting stuff in a palatable way that's going to allow people to engage with their product. And it's a product for goodness sake. It's not like they're selling things to change people's lives quite tangibly. It's more of a materialistic thing. However, what I love about this organisation is they stand knowing that they are creating something that has never existed before. I mean, seriously, before the smartphone came around, it really isn't called a smartphone. We do know that. It's really called iPhone. We refer to it as iPhone. We don't actually say smartphone. It's just being nice and understanding to Samsung and all the rest. But really, that is a painted product. The swipe thing, did we ever do swipe things? No, we didn't do that. It was all the little buttons and stuff, wasn't it? So this organisation is so incredibly passionate about creating something that will change the face of a generation. Well, that got me thinking, because I can't help but think further than just what I'm watching or doing. And it got me thinking about us being the church. How much more is that mandate for us? How much more is the local global church of Jesus Christ meant to believe that we can change 
the future, create the future, build a generation that is so desperately in love with Jesus Christ that there is nothing that will waver what they stand for and who they are. Unapologetically standing there knowing that they are representing God, Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our lives and their lives. They might not know it yet and we can see. We can see right here in this building there are empty seats. There are empty seats in this house, but our job is to create a potent, incredibly compelling environment that will want to draw our friends and our family and our environment because why? There is a greater thing at stake. Life with Jesus Christ for eternity. That is why we live and breathe. That is why he has called us to be in this house because Elevate Church believes that. I am not at all, and I mean this from the very core of who I am, I am not at all shaken that we have empty seats. Not at all. I'm excited because we get to write the pages of what Jesus has before us. We get to write a book that has never been written before. We get to establish something that God so desperately wants us to do in this city, this nation, and this globe. We get that opportunity. We get that opportunity. And this morning, as I share and as I... As I share what God has been bursting into me, I pray that we catch a hold of that. It's not Louis' vision. It's not Mark's vision. It's what God has called us to do together, to partner together, not only with compassion, not only with Opportunity International, but globally we're connected to permeate the very message of Jesus Christ. We're meant to do it. We're meant to do it. We are called and mandated to do it. So this morning, that is my prayer and that is my heart. You know, there is a remarkable story, a remarkable story that when I read it, I absolutely go, what, what, what? I just cannot comprehend the incredible impact that this story has. And I'm going to read it with you. It's a bit of a long one, but stick with me and hear what God's doing here. There was a man named Lazarus. He was sick. He lived in a town called Bethany where Mary, his sister, and Martha lived with him. Mary's brother was Lazarus, the man who was sick. So Mary and Martha sent someone to tell Jesus, Lord, your dear friend Lazarus is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, The end of this sickness will not be death. Okay. No, this sickness is for the glory of God. This has happened to bring glory to the Son of God. Okay, where are we going here? Hang on. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Remember that part. Jesus loved them. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Okay. And then he said to his followers, followers, we should go back to Judea. They answered, but teacher, those Jews there, they're the ones that tried to stone you to death. That was only a short time ago. And now you want to go back there? Like they're saying, you crazy? Hey, what's going on here? Jesus answered, there are 12 hours of light in the day. Whoever walks in the day will not stumble and fall because they can see with the light from the sun. But whoever walks at night will stumble because there is no light. Then Jesus said, Our friend Lazarus is now sleeping, but I'm going to wake him. 
Well, then the followers answered, well, but Lord, if he's asleep, well, surely he'll get well. Like he's only sleeping. What's the big deal? They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was literally sleeping, but he meant Lazarus was dead. Oh, this is not coming out to be a good story so far, is it? So then Jesus said plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad that I was not there. Oh, let's remember the story at the beginning. He said he loved them. Oh, I'm not, I don't know. And he's saying, now I'm glad I wasn't there. I am happy for you because now you will believe in me. Uh Uh-huh. We will go to him now. Then Thomas said, oh, great. We'll go too. We will die along with Lazarus. Someone's got a bit of an attitude there, I think. Jesus arrived in Bethany and found that Lazarus had already been dead and was in the tomb for four days. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to greet him. But Mary stayed at home. Hmm. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now God will give you anything you ask for. Jesus said, your brother will rise and be alive again. Martha answered, I know that he will rise and live again at the time of the resurrection on the last day, meaning he's got life with you, but I know that's true, but, and everyone who lives and believes in me, uh, sorry, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Everyone who believes in me will have life, even if they die. Remember that bit. Martha answered, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the son of God. You are the one who is coming to the world. After Martha said these things, she went back to her sister Mary. She talked to Mary alone. And she said, the teacher's asking for you. Mary saw her and got up and went to leave quickly. The Jews that were mourning with her thought she was going back to the tomb. So they left with her quickly to follow her. When she saw Jesus, she bowed at his feet and said, Lord, if you had have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw Mary crying and the people with her crying, he was very upset and deeply troubled. He asked, where did you put him? They said, come and see. I love this. The next line says, Jesus wept. And the Jews said, look, he loved Lazarus so much. But some of them said, well, Jesus healed the eyes of the blind man. Why didn't he help Lazarus and stop him from dying? Again, feeling very upset, Jesus came to the tomb. It was a cave with a large stone covering the entrance. He said, move the stone away. Martha said, but Lord, it has been four days since Lazarus died. There will be a bad smell. Like, yeah, seriously, there'll be a bad smell. Martha was the sister of the dead man, and she knew. Then Jesus said to her, remember what I told you? Remember what I told you? I said, if you believed, you would see God's divine greatness. So they moved the stone away from the entrance. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said these things because of the people here around me. I want them to believe you sent me. 
After Jesus said this, he called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with pieces of cloth. He had a handkerchief covering his face. And Jesus said to the people, hear this, take off the cloth and let him go. Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, dead, four days dead, is perhaps the most powerful hope-giving miracle that Jesus has ever performed during his time on earth, clearly demonstrating who he is, the son of God, and the power he had access to to make it happen. This story demonstrates so many things and so many layers. We're going to unpack a few this morning. We're not going to delve into every intricate detail of what this story talks about, but we're going to highlight a few. I love this story because of what it allows us to have access to. See, we see three different characters in this story. They were all alive on the outside, but something had died on the inside. And we're going to look at those this morning. First one we're going to look at is Thomas. And this one really stands out to me. Thomas was known in the history of the stories in the Bible of being a bit of a doubter. He doubted a lot. And the story highlights that. Now, I know I'm maybe reading a little bit into this, but seeing this story, when Jesus says to the peeps that is following him, let's go back to Judea. And they're like, seriously, you want to go back there? Are you sure? Because those people want to kill you. Remember not long ago, they were wanting to stone you. You want to go back there? And I love Thomas. Oh, yes, let's go back there. We may as well go back there because we will die along with Lazarus. Thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful mission that you're sending us on because we're going to die anyway. Hear the sarcasm in his tone? It's like, great, we're going to die. Thank you very much. And I love what Pete shared earlier about that whole doubting concept. Jesus was right with them, the very one that they could trust, the very one that they were following, and they still had doubts, particularly Thomas. See, some of us might actually be dying on the inside with very real doubts. We may have been walking with Jesus for a very long time, and some of us may not, but the doubts are there. And they're across the board with our lives. When we hear the promises of God, do we question whether they're true? Some of them like this. Well, can God really do immeasurably more than I could ask or imagine? I mean, can he really? Really? Can the wounds that Jesus took on the cross for me really heal me? my family, my friends. Can that really be true? I know it said, it talks about it in the Bible, but is it really true? Or can I really trust him? And this is a question for us. Can we really trust him? When things don't look like they should, but our Bible talks about trust the Lord in all your ways, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do we believe that? Do we really, really believe that? 
And then there's Martha. Well, some of us can relate to her a little. Well, Martha was dead in her delay. What's the problem? Jesus is taking too long to get it done. Where is he? What is going on? You see, I told him, and yet he didn't come. He heard Lazarus was sick, then dead, and he waited two days. Where is he? That was his friend, the one, earlier in the story says, the one Jesus loved. (laughs) That's how you treat people that you love? God? Are you kidding me? In the horrible days of Lazarus' agonizing illness, darkness and misery of the days following his death, Martha didn't know what God was doing. He seemed silent. Who's experienced that before? And unresponsive. Hello, I know what that feels like. He didn't show up. The man she trusted, believing that Jesus was her friend and Lazarus' friend, did not show up. Martha was confused, disappointed, overwhelmed with grief. Who knows what that feels like? A failing marriage? Where's God? A family member that doesn't follow Jesus? Where's God? Hopes and dreams that are lost and forgotten? Where's God? Prayers I have been praying for years? Where's God? Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. What took you so long? Thomas was dead in his doubts. Martha was dead in her delay. Mary, she was dead in her discouragement. So many of us will be able to relate to this one. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she ran out to him. What did Mary do? She stayed home. She didn't move. I wonder whether her internal voice was something like this. Why even bother? Good on you, Jesus. Thanks for coming. But you missed it. Why am I going to get up and run to you now? I needed you four days ago. Thank you for nothing. Thank you for saying that you love me, but you didn't show it. I wonder. Could the internal voice in our heads be a little like this? Well, you know, I've tried to do the diet thing. It doesn't work for me. Tried and tried and tried. Tried to get healthy. Tried to get fit. It's not going to happen. How about I prayed and prayed and prayed. I read that scripture. I listened to those podcasts. I went to get, you know, counseling. I did all those things. And yet, 
nothing. How about this? Well, God answers your prayers because you're you, but I'm me, so he doesn't answer mine. Or that relationship that I've got, well, you know, you're lucky. You're really good at relationships. Me, I'm not. I've tried and it doesn't work. They slam the door in my face and so really that tells me that it's really not going to happen. And I've tried not once, not twice. I've been trying for years and years and years. So my question this morning, and this is for me, you to answer, what in your life is dead or dying? Could it be your faith? Could it be that once we were really intimate with God and now we're not? Could it be a relationship that once was alive and thriving and then it's just fizzled into nothing? Could it be financially dead in debt? For me, this story of discouragement is really a big one because for me, when we about, oh, now we're working out this morning. So four years ago, five years ago now, four years ago, five years ago, yes, we, um, we were serving and being involved and participating in Riverview Church and we felt God tell us to finish up there and move on to other things. And so we were in a time of kind of, what do you want us to do, God? And Mark really felt like he was meant to lead a church. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. I'm with you there. Cool, no worries. I mean, you know, happy to, to go along and support and felt the same thing. So that was all cool. Anyway, opportunity came to go and lead a church in Adelaide, did that. And there was a time, really went there with eyes wide open and really excited to see God do incredible stuff. So, you know, just a whole lot of passion in suitcases, head on over. Sad that we were leaving, crying my eyes out, missing friends and all the rest of it, but really trusted that God was actually going to use us and do something incredible. Anyway, as things began to unravel and things began to unfold, things really weren't that great. There was a lot of disconnect, both um, how we wanted to do stuff and present stuff and with um, the leadership team at the time, it was just a really awkward kind of fit. But, you know, you've got to trust God because that's what you do. That's what you do. You just stand there and go, Lord, you called us and we're there. Well, I remember one night, there was a, it came at a time that it was just like one punch after the other of just discouragement and just disharmony and just, you know, it was so difficult. And I remember Mark was in bed sleeping and I had got up because I just could not sleep that night. Anyway, I went out to the lounge room. We had two kind of lounge areas and there was one where it was really cool and I remember looking up, we had this big, huge window that kind of looked up at the, the ocean and... Um, the city, and I just burst into tears, but I am talking like that gross, ugly face crying with snot pouring down your face crying, like heaving to the point where I thought I actually have never, ever cried like that in my life, but I actually thought my heart was going to explode and I was going to vomit. That's how, oh, like so bad. Anyway, I was crying and saying, God, you know, I just don't understand why or how it has come to this, where people can be so destructive with their words, that can be so horrible. And, and, I, and I say this absolutely honestly, I did not believe, because it wasn't in my nature to be so 
like that. So for me, I was naive. I was thinking, well, how could you say that about somebody, let alone maybe growing up as a good Italian Catholic girl, you don't say it anyway. And then the whole Christian thing in the mix, you just don't say that about people. So for me, it was a double whammy. It was a bit like, you just don't say that. And then you don't be so rude. And then you just say it to their face. Are you kidding me? Like that is just crazy town. So I was so many issues kind of rolling over and trying to work it out. And I was crying my eyes out, just like, God, how? I'm in so much pain that I can't even see the left from the right. And whatever that may be for you would be different, whatever kind of maybe journey you've gone on. And you've had that experience of discouragement. This one was mine. So I was like, man, I cannot believe how soul-destroying that time was for me. Anyway, Although that was really quite awful, um, and I can't believe Mark didn't hear me because I was like wailing. It was really quite, are you kidding me? You never normally sleep like that. Nor that night, maybe that was a really nice thing. Just me and God freaking out me all over the place. So then I actually remember thinking at that time, I was looking out and I thought to myself, do you know what? God, you had better show up for me. You had better show me something because I can't do this anymore. I cannot at all keep this going. The pain or the whatever, sure enough, and this is a story for another time, I'm only giving the highlights, he absolutely did. That In that moment, I just felt this complete peace and presence in that room. Now, it was remarkable. Didn't fix everything, but in that moment, I called out and he came to me. And I love this in the story. And that's why I love this story so much. We're going to wrap it up really soon. But I love this. And I love that God puts it in the Bible that we can read and draw strength from. Because he gives us the tools to get through stuff. People have gone before us. We follow their footsteps and know the story ending is good. Love it. See, There were a lot of tears going on back in the story and Jesus was in the middle of it. When Jesus saw Martha weeping and the Jews came alongside her also weeping, he was deeply moved and troubled. Love that. Jesus was hurting as well. Where have you laid him? He said, come see, they said. And here's the money shot. Jesus wept. Think about that. The irony of that very story is Jesus knows that he's actually going to raise Lazarus from the dead very shortly. He knows that. However, he still felt the pain of the situation. He still understood that people were grieving. He still understood that there's a process to go through to then get to the other side. He knows that. Jesus was weeping because he was hurting for the people that he loved. And that, to me, is the most soul-filling stuff to know that he's right in there with me, right in there with us, because he loves us so much. So where is Jesus today? 
Well, my Bible talks about, and yours will too, that he is high and exalted, seated at the right hand of God, the Father, praying for you. When we're hurting, he's praying. When we're crying, he's holding our tears, making them go away. When we're crying, he's holding us. I love that picture of God. I love that picture of Jesus. So in all of that, what do I take away? Two things that stand out for me. One, Jesus came to give life. He came to breathe life in us. He came and that we would live it more abundantly. And the second thing is that the very power that raised Jesus from the dead for those who believe in him, this is the promise, for those who believe in him, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Hello. Hello. The very power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us. And we get to access to that. Because of what Jesus has done, we get to do. And this morning, that is my prayer. Absolutely. Absolutely. More than anything, my heart is that we are completely free in our minds and hearts. That the things that are causing us to be dead on the inside, my prayer is that it is ignited this morning. That the very hope of Jesus Christ enables us to know that there is a future in him that is more brighter and beautiful than we could ever ask for or imagine. That the truth of the spirit of God lives in this house. That the truth of who he is is more potent than any stupid rubbishy stuff that goes on in our minds about what everybody else says about the situation. What does God's word say? What does he say about it? He speaks life to us. He speaks truth to us. He speaks future to us. He speaks authority to us. And we get to grab a hold of that because we are his children. And that is my heart for our church today and our future. Absolutely. Because we believe in a living God who brings life. I love what Mark said last week. I love it. I love it. I love it. Don't let our past be our torturer. Let it be our tutor. Love it. We don't have to be bound by what is past. Deal with it, yes, but it can tutor us to a better, brighter future. I'm going to pray. Father, we come before you. And we thank you that you have presented us with life through that story this morning and all the layers that it encompasses. We've just scratched the surface of what you're wanting to breathe into us this morning by that story. Lord, I thank you that you have given us an opportunity. Where there is doubt, there is hope. Where there is discouragement, there is hope and encouragement. Where there is delay, there are answered prayers by trusting in you, knowing that the story comes out great, that you raise Lazarus from the dead. You raise what is dead in us to life because we 
are locking our hearts and our thoughts and our ways into the source of life, which is you, Jesus Christ. God, I prophesy that into our church today. As we stand, as we sit, as we move forward in following you, Lord, I pray that you continue to breathe life and passion into this house, that we get to be the kind of church that creates and shapes a future, that we're not going to leave it to organizations as Apple. And why that might sound audacious, I want to be audacious because you are, Lord, your faith can increase in this house through us. You say it in your word and we declare it in this house. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. Well, Lord, I pray today that faith has increased through stories of compassion, through Pete sharing this morning about what it means to give to the house of God. Lord, I pray that faith is increased in this house, that we stand forward looking to you, drawing from you, propelling us to a place where you are marking, elevate, to be incredibly potent in this city and on this planet across this globe. And God, I take this opportunity right now for those of us in this place that may not have a relationship with you, that may not have the opportunity to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Lord, I would hate to miss that. So I'm going to ask right now, if you have not had the opportunity to respond to Jesus saying, yes, I want to follow you for the rest of my life. I'm going to open my eyes and I'm going to look around this place. And if you want me to pray for you, which I would love to do, please raise your hand. So I'm going to do it now, counting to three. One, two, three. If you want to respond to that. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Anyone else? I'm going to pray. That is one of the most courageous decisions ever because the Spirit of God is so excited about journeying with you to have a relationship with you, to create a future that surpasses your wildest dreams. So, Lord, we stand before you and we thank you for that. I'm going to say a prayer and repeat after me, all of us together. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my future. The past has gone and my future is bright with you. Jesus, I commit to following you all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, help me, shape me, guide me. In your son's mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Guys, I am really excited. I am really excited to hear stories about what miracles God is going to do in our lives and the people that we impact. Write them down. Write them down and mark them as being the altar that we lay them on, knowing that from this day forward, God has done this and he impacted that. He helped touch those lives. I love it. I love it. I love it. Enjoy your week. Allow God to surprise us 
and impact our journey. Coffee time. Nearly oh, what are we drinking? Oh, no, you're normally a little bit more information than nice coffee. Yes, it is nice. I have had a cup. Hot coffee. Now he's being a smarty pants. What, what is it? Now he's lying. No, no, he can't remember. Anyway, doesn't matter. It's nice coffee. Enjoy it. Have a fabulous week and look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Bring your family and friends because God has got an incredible journey for them as well. See you later.